as we have remembered already this morning through song and through the observance of the Lord's Supper, Jesus did come to earth on a rescue mission. He came to save us from our sins. He came to accomplish for us a task that we can never accomplish on our own. It's for this reason that God spoke through John in John chapter 3, verse 16, saying, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He continued, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. The reality was that we already stood condemned before God because of our sin. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus came to rescue us by giving His life in our place that we might be reconciled to God. Jesus did not stay dead, however. was raised on the third day from the dead by the power of God, and following His resurrection, Jesus Christ appeared to His followers. He appeared to His followers on several occasions, over 40 Days And on one such occasion, recorded in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said to his disciples, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus came on a mission. And he fulfilled that mission on the cross. And then he commissioned the rest of us, all of his followers, Whoever believes in Him to carry out the task of taking the good news of of forgiveness of sins, of life in Christ to all people of of the world. And I want to invite you to look with me at that commission this morning from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And as you find your place in Acts chapter 1, let me invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're looking specifically today at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but I want to back up and begin reading in verse 6. And there God's word reads this way, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, help us now in understanding your word and interpreting and applying the truths of your word to our lives as your people today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We're in a series, a message series, and have been over the last few weeks titled Be the Church, where we are looking at uh, core beliefs, foundational beliefs that are non-negotiable for followers of Christ to submit to uh, the words of God as compiled in the scriptures. And so uh, we looked at the importance, the necessity of believing in Jesus. What does it look like to have faith in Jesus? Believing in Jesus for salvation. And we looked at the centrality of worshiping Jesus. And last week we talked about belonging to Christ's church. And then today we look at what it means to be sent out into the world with this message that God has entrusted to us. And the truth is this, according to God's word, God's power is at work among his people 
to spread his message to the world. According to God's word, specifically right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God's power is at work among his people to spread his message to the world. The reality is that the commission and the instructions that we just read from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, were spoken specifically to Jesus' first followers, his early disciples. He told them that they would be witnesses to the truth about him right where they were in Jerusalem, and then regionally in Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. But, but these are also words for us as followers of Jesus today. This is a mandate, instructions that have been given to Christians in every age. So if you are a believer in Jesus, then Jesus' message right here is also for you. God desires to use you and to use me to carry out this task of taking the good news of the gospel to all the people of the world. That's a large task. That's a big mission. That's an overwhelming task if we attempt to carry this out on our own. But the good news for us is that we are not alone in fulfilling this task. No, God's Spirit is with us. God's Spirit supplies strength for the mission that God has given us. Acts chapter 1, verse verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, Jesus was very clear about this. That this task before us and before every follower of Christ to to faithfully spread this message from Christ and about Christ to the people of the world is not a task that we can carry out on our own. In fact, Jesus himself told his followers, backing up in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave this city, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can't do this task alone. Jesus told his followers, don't go anywhere. Don't attempt to carry out this mission on your own. Wait for my spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit of God to come and to take up residence in you, enabling you to carry out this task. Carrying this truth to the ends of, of the earth. The reality is this is not so much our mission. And I think if we just think in terms of this being our task, our mission, then we have a tendency to attempt to do this in our own strength, in our own, in our own power. But this is not so much our mission. This is God's mission that he has called and invited and even equipped us to be a part of. Reality is the one and only God, the Almighty God, not only saves us by His grace, but He equips us by His grace, giving us His Spirit and then calling us to go and to make disciples of all people. God's Spirit supplies strength for the mission. And secondly, God's people then declare the marvelous message. God's Spirit supplies us strength, and then we, as God's people, are called upon to declare the message, to proclaim the message. The reality is that God has made Himself known. God's majesty, His glory, His splendor, the Word of God teaches us, have been made known through creation. 
other words, there are things that we can learn about God simply through observing His creation. But more specifically, He has made Himself known in this book. This spoken word, this written and compiled word which teaches us who He is and who we are in light of who He is. And then, the Lord of all creation calls us to participate in declaring His message of redemption, His message of salvation to the people of the world. I mean, think about that for just a moment. I mean, God could have chosen any way that He desired to disperse the message of the gospel to the people of the world. In fact, I was outside yesterday and saw a little plane fly over a couple times with one of those banners behind it advertising a message. Presumably, if God wanted to, He could have written the gospel in the sky for all the world to, to see. Or He, I guess, could have taken the Lord of the Rings approach and spoken the message through talking trees in the forest. Or perhaps He could have laid out this detailed and hidden treasure map pointing to the truth that only the brightest would find. But no, it's not how God chose to disperse His message. He chose to disperse the message of the gospel through you and through me. Through every believer in Jesus. Called upon those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ to, to share the message of redemption to those who are not yet redeemed. He entrusted those who have been changed by His grace to declare the message of life Changing grace. Apostle Paul said it this way to the church at Corinth, recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He said to believers, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What an amazing truth. God offers reconciliation to broken sinners by means of the cross. And then He calls upon those who've been restored, those who've been redeemed, those who have been given by His grace eternal life to share that message of redemption, to be His ambassadors, to proclaim that message to the people of the world. God's Spirit supplies strength for the mission that we have been given. And God's people then declare the marvelous message. And thirdly, this offer is for people everywhere. God's offer of salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal life is for people everywhere. In other words, it's not our task. It's not our prerogative to pick and choose who we think is worthy of hearing this message. Because the reality is that no one is worthy of salvation. No one is worthy of forgiveness in the eyes of God. But in His mercy, He has lavished His love on us that we might know what it means to be forgiven of sins, that we might know what it is to be children of God, that we might receive everlasting life. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of, of the earth. Church, God's power is at work among His people, in His people, through the lives of His people to spread His message of salvation to the people of the world. 
So it's people who believe in the words of this book, who believe the story that is conveyed in Scriptures, who believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's invite the Spirit. Let's welcome the Spirit of God to use us however He sees fit to carry out this task, knowing that He is with us, that He never leaves us, that He guides us, and that He has chosen to use us to be the, the distributors of this incredible life-changing, eternity-altering message. Let's join with other gospel-centered churches to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one way, church, that we can do just that is by supporting church multiplication. Let's support church multiplication. Last week, we talked about the important truth from God's Word that God doesn't call us to be isolated Christians. He doesn't call us to be isolated followers of Christ. No, as much as is possible, He calls us to be part of something bigger. He calls us to be part of His church, to belong to a local body of Christ. And likewise, on a larger scale, I don't think He calls us to be one local church that is totally secluded from what God is doing in other gospel-centered churches in our city and ultimately around the world. Our task is not to make a, a bigger and, and better name for Meadowbrook Baptist Church. No, our task is to join in with what God is doing and be a gospel-centered church coming alongside other gospel-centered churches in various communities all over this city, this state, and this world, proclaiming the good news of salvation and everlasting life in and through Jesus Christ. Meadowbrook Baptist Church is a, a church plant, officially 31 years old, joint effort between Mountain Brook Baptist Church and Brookwood Baptist Church and maybe a few other individuals. And likewise, we have a six-year-old church plant, Chelsea Village Baptist Church in our sister community in Chelsea. I hope and I pray that we continue coming alongside other believers for the sake of church multiplication in this city and ultimately around the world. And we have an opportunity in just a few weeks to join with another local church, to come alongside another body of believers to that end. Emmanuel Church is a young church, a church plant in downtown Birmingham that has been meeting for some time at Glen Iris Elementary School. And the Lord has blessed that congregation and they are growing now to about 140 in attendance on Sunday morning. They have now acquired a more permanent space and facility, a more permanent rental space in the heart of Southside. So church, let's mark our calendars for April 10th. That's a Sunday afternoon and evening. And let's take a, a group of serving hands and willing hearts to come alongside this sister gospel-centered church to partner with them, to, to support them. It's a young church. They could certainly use some, some help. And preparing their facility for an official launch date sometime in mid-April. So let's, let's pursue that end. Let's be a, a church that is about church multiplication and another way that we can support church multiplication is by giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and with that being said let me invite you to direct your attention to the screens
Once upon a time, in the most powerful, most influential, most lonely city on earth, there was a face in the crowd. Once I got to DC, I mean, I was busy, and then I would go home at night, and I'd still just, I'd feel very alone. Kylie Mills has a job on Capitol Hill. I'm just running around like crazy getting stuff done. She works 50 hours a week. A lot of times my day doesn't end until midnight. And she lives 1,500 miles from home. I had always just thought that the loneliness was something that came with the territory, but um, no. Zach Randalls is a friendly face in a city full of strangers. Where are you from? Once upon a time, he and his family moved here to start a church. Their strategy? Cook lots of burgers and shake lots of hands. It's very difficult to make friends in D.C. And so we made the decision that we were going to work very hard at meeting every person that the Lord put in our path. That's how, at the foot of Capitol Hill, in a neighborhood with 28,000 people and zero churches, Zach Randalls and a handful of friends started Waterfront Church. Our church is positioned in a very strategic spot. In one of our church services when we first began, uh, we had a congressman, uh, and I asked him, I said, why in the world are you here? And uh, he kind of smiled and looked at me and said, because you're all that there is. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? All that there is is just what Kylie Mills needed. When she came to one of the first waterfront worship services, she heard how she could be more than just a face in the crowd. Zach had been preaching about getting real with your faith. And one Sunday I was like, Zach, I'm ready. <laughs> what do we do? So on the balcony at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, um, I, you know, accepted Christ. Kylie was one of the first of many who've now given their lives to Jesus at Waterfront Church. And in a way, they have you to thank for it all. When you give to the Annie Armstrong offering, the money that you give is going directly to planters uh, so that the church, that is the people, can be established. Uh, and that the Lord can build something powerful from the inside out. And uh, it's just been an absolute miracle to watch. Well, brothers and sisters of Meadowbrook Baptist Church, let's join with other sister Southern Baptist churches in giving generously and sacrificially to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for the sake of church multiplication across this continent, for the sake of missions in North America. And to that end, let me also invite us as a church to pray specifically for Washington, D.C. Let's pray for Washington, D.C. We just watched a video about a church plant and the ministry that they are doing in D.C., but the greater metro area of Washington, D.C., has roughly 6 million folks living in it. And the North American Mission Board, the organization that of Southern Baptists that is fully supported through cooperative program giving, 
has estimated that in the D.C. metro area alone, they need an additional 142 church plants by 2018 just to maintain the current ratio of one SBC church for approximately 9,000 residents. Just to maintain the current ratio. Compare that to one SBC church to every 2,800 churches in the south. And more specifically, one SBC church for every 1,400 residents right here in Alabama. One of our 2020 vision, vision goals is to plant another church in an area of our country that needs a church, that desperately needs a community of believers, or to partner with a young church. And to that end, let's pray specifically about Washington, D.C., to see if perhaps that is where God may lead us to partner. So let's support church multiplication. Let's pray about Washington, D.C. And then third and finally, let's live on mission with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's live on mission with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's power is at work among his people here and beyond to spread his message of salvation to the world. And the reality is this is not just a message that has been entrusted to those that we might think are career Christians, folks like missionaries, pastors, evangelists. No, this is a message that has been entrusted to every follower of Jesus Christ, all of God's people. So let me ask you this morning, are you living your life on mission for the sake of the spread of the gospel for the glory of our great God? I want to mention a resource this morning, a book titled Life on Mission. It's a short book, a fairly quick read, an excellent book. We have a number of copies of this book Uh, this morning available at the welcome desk for just $10. But written by two pastors who are also staff members of the North American Mission Board, Uh, these two uh, authors uh, are giving 100% of the royalties to North American Missions. But an excellent book about living wherever God has planted you, a life of mission for the sake of the spread of the gospel. And in this book, these authors define an everyday missionary this way. They say everyday missionaries are those who practice life on mission where God has placed them. Everyday missionaries are those who practice life on mission wherever God has has placed them. In their home, in their community, in their workplace, in the school, in the marketplace, wherever they go, living life on mission for the sake of the spread of the gospel. Church, we are fortunate to have another mission advocate, a fairly new member of Meadowbrook Baptist Church, a new couple, Harold and Helen Hancock. Harold and Helen have served the Lord in a variety of churches and have also spent several years in South Korea serving as Southern Baptist missionaries before returning to the States, spending quite some time at First Baptist Montgomery, leading that church in the area of of missions. In fact, that's where Harold is uh, this morning at a celebration and book signing event because they have a, a new book that is out about the First Baptist Montgomery missions model. But in that book, Harold recounts... Uh, His frustration as a young man in knowing that God has called him to missions, but finding himself uh, in a place that he did not at first think was the mission field. In fact, he was a young man, 
been to seminary and knew that God was calling him to foreign missions. And yet he found himself serving at Calvary Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa. And he writes about that experience. He said, I had begun to think that I would never get to the mission field. Yet all around me were fields needing to be harvested. Several thousand students were across the street at the University of Alabama. Most of them needing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where was I supposed to be working? The answer came quickly. Right where he planted me. God always knows best. The reality, church, is that it's not always the one who can go on a mission trip or who can give a lot of money to support missions that perhaps the Lord is doing the most kingdom work through. I'm convinced that those who are living faithfully wherever they are, living a life of mission for the sake of the spread of the gospel, will always be used by the Lord for the glory of the Lord. Let me ask you this morning. How are you living your life on mission where God has planted you? Can you look at your life and and declare with confidence, I am an everyday missionary. Church, God's power is at work among His people, spreading His message to the world. Father, we thank You for Your message. Father, we thank you for a good message. We thank you for good news, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that in your unfailing love, in your infinite, unfathomable mercy, you have decided to offer salvation to lost, broken sinners. Father, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that... Your love never fails. We thank you that you are patient with us. And Father, we thank you for the eternal hope that we have in and through faith in Christ. And we pray that as your people, we would live in light of this truth. Father, remind us of the good news of the gospel today. Remind us of this truth day after day after day. And Father, would you guide us by your spirit in living out lives that are dedicated to serving you proclaiming your truth, all for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.